Par 5 holes are always a struggle, but we're getting our stride as we hit episode number 5. We got our line, and we're ready to jump into the podcast. Mini golf junkies, holy moly contestants, podcast listeners, and now podcast creators. That's us. I'm Tom, and I go by the name Mr. T, combined with my wife, the Pink Putter. We're a couple of putts. We build, design, and consult on mini golf projects across the world. We document the multitude of our adventures playing courses spanning the globe, along with our mini golf creations, over at a coupleofputts.com and on social media at Couple Putts. And I'm Pat, and in mini golf circles, I'm known as the Putting Penguin. I run the mini golf course review website and social media conglomerate, the Putting Penguin. I'm also a competitive mini golfer, having played in over 60 tournaments. This year, we took our talents to a podcast after spending 2020 live streaming We're Gonna Need a Bigger Windmill, our Facebook show that covered the U.S. Season 2 of Holy Moly, along with other mini golf topics. You can find that show in the archives of our respective websites. Due to the wonders of technology, we're here to start the run of this podcast, recapping Australia Holy Moly Season 1, as well as the entire realm of mini golf across the world. When it comes to Holy Moly, we're no strangers to cold water and goop, That's part of the experience of being a competitor on this show. Both of us are familiar with the bonds created between yourself and the other competitors, either the ones that you're playing with directly or those that you're around throughout the night. In fact, we've both managed to stay in touch with people we met during season one of Holy Moly and had wonderful experiences getting to know the larger Holy Moly competitor family across the world. On the show, we'll be spoiling winners and referencing the U.S. season. So if that's not your cup of tea turn off now. Also, if you want to see some visuals for the show after listening to the episode, check out Puttcast Mini on socials. Glad you're along for the ride and appreciate you continuing to tune in as we cut our teeth podcasting. We don't want to rush through all the Aussie episodes too quick, and we also have day jobs and other life things that get in the way of us keeping up with the pace that Australia is broadcasting all of these competitive episodes. So some general notes on the Aussie version of the show before we dive into the recap. There's eight competitors who go head-to-head in a bracket, one-hole tournament, with each match held on a different hole. The distractor will serve as a redemption hole, making three players in the final. And the winner takes home a gold putter, the green plaid jacket, and a chance at a super final for $100,000 Australian which is about $75,000-$76,000 U.S. compared to the $250,000 that the U.S. Season 2 played for. Since you're listening, don't forget to subscribe and give us a hole-in-one rating. And with that, let's head to the holy moly scramble time and our recap of the matchups. We're opening this episode with a recurring favorite, Dutch Courage. It's an easy hole in theory to play. Get your ball between the two windmills, then get yourself between the two windmills. In this episode, we had Beverly... 52-year-old soccer mom who's claiming to get faster with age like a running Benjamin Button up against Becky, who's a 21-year-old just-turned-pro golfer who's recently ranked the number one Aussie amateur golfer. So we've got some skills on the green here. Becky gets a lovely first putt all the way to the hole, just nestling to the right down below it. However, she was way too nervous on the first windmill. And before it happened, we all knew what her demise was going to be. Smacked right into the... Tulips. However, she managed to get herself through the second windmill. Beverly doesn't get her putt through the second windmill on the first shot, nor does she get through the first windmill with her body, running straight into the blade like a tough defensive line. 
She fortunately gets her and her ball through the second windmill, but it's too much to overcome Becky's nice second shot into the cup, and Becky is on to the second round. And that's the first time I think we've had both competitors get through Dutch Courage on either of the windmills, so that was pretty impressive to start off episode number five. Okay, so for the third time this season, we're seeing barbecue, and if you listen to episode three... This is one of the holes that I broke down with design time with Mr. T. You hit the ball over a spinning chook, a piece of chicken on a little barbecue thing in a channel, and then you have to try to cross over with your body over a bunch of foam charcoal blocks. We have two DJs facing off. We have Ben, who's a club DJ, versus Carly, who's a radio DJ. So we have a DJ off, and for me, having been both a on-air radio DJ... Not that you can really tell because I'm still getting my sea legs on this and having been a club DJ, but probably haven't done it in a few years. This one really resonated with me and it's kind of why I wanted to pick this one to recap. And surprisingly, both of the putters did a great job in getting it over as the case with everybody this season on barbecue. Both of them fall in the foam charcoal blocks and they get a stroke penalty. And then Ben, who is further out, was putting for two uphill and made an amazing putt into the cup. I felt really bad for Carly. She said she'll be fine. There's always wine or something like that as she took her second putt and really ran it far past the cup. The club DJ wins out over the radio DJ and Ben is on to the next round. Carly keeping up our little bit of a Randy theme from the last episode, screaming, I want the sausage as she went through this hole. Our third hole of the episode is Dragon's Breath, which is a personal favorite hole design. You try to beat the other person while putting on fire. Mr. T is going to take a look at this one a little bit later in design time for some more details. So here we had our second Ben of the night, who is a 30-year-old musician whose main advantage seems to be that he's comfortable with crowds. He was up against Jaden, who is a 39-year-old pilot who Rob Riggle won't let you forget the entire episode is actually a drone pilot and not a real pilot. On the fun side, though, he's using a lucky pink putter as it's his daughter's favorite color. So very endearing right off the top. Jaden gets up to putt and while on fire, goes through the left hole straight off and ends up just nestled behind the little ridge on the other side. Ben struggles with his first putt but gets through on his second and actually doesn't end up that far from the cup. Jaden makes a really good run on his second shot, but hits the back of the cup, kind of bounces off. Both of them sink their third for a putt off. In the putt off, Ben goes way too hard with his speed on the shot, leaving the door open for Jaden to sink his and move on to the second round. Our next hole is one that we've seen a number of times this season and is one of the unique holes to the Australian Holy Moly, and it's called Foul Play. It's a farm-themed hole. It's got a spinning log, but guess what? you're not going to have to see much of it. And I'll tell you why. Our competitors are Adam, who is a golfer that dresses up like a creepy clown as part of an intimidation tactic. And he's playing against Cleo, who is one of the few people that in their intro had nothing to do with mini golf or golf and didn't show them putting, which sort of set up what then happened next. Cleo is a drama teacher. And unfortunately, the show had no drama. Adam hit it down the middle channel, Got a hole in one on foul play. Cleo missed it and hit it to the right. Hole's over. They don't have to run across in the log. They don't have to do any of the other putting. Adam's on to the second round with one putt. 
the clown moves on to the next round. So after a hole with very little drama, we move on to hole number two with Ben, our club DJ, versus Becky, our pro golfer, who kind of looks a little bit like Ellie Kemper. We're setting up a fairly dramatic hole. Both of them make some really nice putts down past the dunnies, which are the toilets in Australian, and almost hit the pin. Now, I don't think either of them had a shot at a hole-in-one, to be honest, because both of the paces of their putts were pretty fast, but they got themselves in a pretty good position for their second putt. Unfortunately for Becky, on her run past the toilets, she just sort of gave up at the end. She was right there and just kind of, I think, anticipated the door hitting her and jumped off into the water or just sort of lost her balance. But it's too bad because our club DJ, Ben, was just amazing. He just flew right past all of the bathrooms, didn't get the stroke penalty like everybody else has done in all of the episodes of Holy Moly in Australia so far, and sets himself up for a much better position to win this hole. On the other side, Becky misses her first putt, which puts her sitting at three. Ben's got a really difficult second putt where he's sort of sitting up next to a bump of turf where he doesn't really have much of an ability to get much of a backswing on his putt. Didn't matter. He makes the putt in. He's on to the finale. So right now we have Ben who has taken exactly four putts to advance to the finale, which is pretty impressive. Our second semifinal of the night was held on surf and turf. So this one, Mr. T broke down in a previous design time where you put up over a wave backwards and then get yourself over a padded berm that has three water cannons shooting at you and trying to knock you off. So our two competitors here tonight were Adam the Scary Clown, who won his way with the uh, foul play ace, and then Jaden, our drone pilot, who made his way into the semis off of Dragon's Breath. Adam took his first shot, and it landed into the sand on his uh, over-the-wave shot. Went up and just couldn't handle getting past the first cannon, and if you ever wanted to know what a clown looks like soaking wet, you'll get your chance if you watch this hole. (laughs) Jaden also goes into the sand, but on the other side of the cup, so setting them up for uh, similar positions and sitting at similar stroke penalties as well because he gets a little bit further than Adam but also gets knocked over by the water cannons. So now it's down to a putt-off duel out of the opposite ends of the sand. Jaden gets his out and goes just past the left of the cup. Meanwhile, our clown Adam, not a bad putting stroke out of the sand and bit side doors it out of the sand into the cup and gets himself into the finals. Unreal. Not a great episode if you're afraid of clowns. And now it's time for dissecting the distractor with the putting penguin. That's me. I break down this hole each episode thanks to my experience playing it in front of paparazzi on the first season of Holy Moly in the US. So here in our redemption hole, we've got Becky, who Tom just talked about, lost on hole number two, and Jaden, who I just talked about, lost on surf and turf. This distraction is... The Grinder Girls, which to be fair, I had some trouble finding more about online. And I'll talk to, about it a little bit when I go through uh, my detailed analysis of the distractor. But for now, let's just say they have metal guitars and angle grinders and leave it at that. So with the sparks flying, Jaden goes first and sinks his first putt, while Becky, our pro golfer, goes off to the left, 
proving it's just not easy to be out there no matter how good you are a putter. Overall, when it comes to the actual distraction, I gave it 3 out of 5 fish. So when looking up the Grinder Girls, what I found was an explanation that went like this. A stylishly choreographed angle grinder act that showcases the incredible visual potential of angle grinding as sparks dance. And honestly, that pretty much hits it to a T. There were sparks, there was fire, there was probably an annoying amount of noise to go along with it, and the ladies were lovely themselves. So I can see how it could be somewhat distracting, which is why I gave it three out of five fish, but it seemed to miss just a little bit of the punch that some of the best distractions have. So overall, better than some we've had so far this season, worse than others we've had, entertaining all around, and it sets up Jaden to go on to the finals. And the finals of our episode is only the second showing of Frankenputt, a very shocking hole, and a hole that we'll be talking about a little bit later in Design Time with Mr. T, along with Dragon's Breath, and you'll find out why. We get to the final, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, we have Ben, who between hole number two and barbecue has only taken four putts, and Adam, because he did so well on surf and turf and foul play, had only taken three putts. So both of them are in the finals against Jaden, who is looking for redemption after losing on surf and turf. Adam has a strong first putt, and Adam leaves himself about six feet away from the cup, right next to Dr. Franken putts Lady Gofina on a table. He gets a shock. Next up is Ben, our club DJ. He hits it to the side of one of the little plinths that they have there for this season that you have to hit through. Ben's second putt at the cup was a little hard, left him about six feet out. And so Ben got shocked twice. And I forgot to mention that Adam the Clown, when he got shocked, it knocked his wig off and it was pretty funny. Next up, we have Jaden, our drone pilot. Jaden plays this whole perfectly. All you need to really do is find the line between the plinths, hit the side of the Lady Gofina table that's angled perfectly towards the cup. It's exactly what he did. He gets redemption, he won on the distractor, came in to Frankenputt, and got an ace with a crazy win for the first ace on this hole. Jaden is our winner. And for all the uh, haters of the mini golf talent that are on this show, as Tom said, this is classic, straight up, almost putt-putt-esque, straight line, angle to the hole. Jaden made it look just as easy as any of the top mini golfers in the world would. It was impressive. And this episode had really some of the best putting we've seen to date, as I've alluded to. We're on to design time with Mr. T, where we're combining both holes that we've seen this episode, Dragon's Breath and Frankenputt. And the reason that I'm combining those two is that in both the second season of the US and in the Australian season, if you look really closely, they're really the same overall structure. It's got that faux gray brick wall that kind of looks like a castle and it works really well for Dragon's Breath, but it easily switches over to a mad scientist's lair for Frankenputt. Both of the holes, if you look really close, have two sets of bumps in the turf to make the ride to the cup a little bit more difficult. On the first half on Dragon's Breath, you're getting hit by four dragons that are shooting out real fire at you. Like, no joke. People are on fire. You can see that their costumes are on fire. With Frankenpot, 
It's a little bit more subtle. There's like these cool little set pieces of a mad scientist lab and chemicals on counters. And then throughout the whole, there's a bunch of these big Tesla coils that will come into play a little bit later to give it a little bit more punch. And then in the front half of the hole, through the middle part of the hole on Frankenput, these little like plinths is the best way to describe them. Little elevated containers with some sort of liquid and some sort of fake limbs. Again, Mad Scientist vibe works really perfect. And the little plinths, they're a lot nicer than the little bumps that they had in Frankenput in the United States episode. So I really appreciated that. The other thing that I really liked when you get to the second half of the hole on Frankenput, they still have the same table that you can play an angle off of towards the cup. But the thing that I like that's the add-on, when they shock the competitors, they have sparks flying out, and I think it works to really great effect. And for those on the Frankenput side of things, might doubt that those people are getting shocked. We've definitely talked to people and they're actually getting shocked. We want to do all of the research possible. So I've tested out what it's like to get these shocks. It's a great obstacle in that it's very psychological and that you're thinking, boy, if I miss this putt, I'm going to get like the feeling of what it's like to touch like an electric fence if you're out in the country. That's that kind of same feeling where you're just a little discombobulated and you feel like a little bit of a weird tinge in your chest. That's just like really smart obstacle. And then Flipping over to the Dragon's Breath side, it's really all about hitting the ball through three small openings. Again, a really common thing at a mini golf course where you have a couple of different paths to the cup. The center one is the best one and gives you a chance at a hole in one. The nice thing is the back wall also provides a possibility for a bounce in hole in one that definitely wasn't there during the season two U.S. Holy Moly version of Dragon's Breath. In fact, what I really liked is that they moved a lot of the things that embellish the hole. They have these knights in shining armor and swords and all that. They move it off to the sides of the hole and they don't really get in the way of the putters. If you watched season two of Dragon's Breath in the United States, there's a lot of really difficult positioned putts. And the thing is, that you can't take for granted with this hole is that all these people are putting in gear that makes it so difficult for people to get in their normal stance and hit the ball normally. We saw earlier in the episode where, you know, the guys missed a six foot putt in a putt off to lose. That's going to be like a 10 or 12 foot putt on any normal hole because you're not playing in a normal situation. You have protective gear on you because they don't want you to get set on fire. That's the breakdown on both Dragon's Breath and Frankenput. I combined them because both of the structures are not massive, and that's why they're using the same space. But there's really, really cool and subtle little things that they do inside those spaces that not only really hit home the themes of the whole, both visually, but the effect, and I think the psychological side of it, it all really works as a nice piece that makes the whole experience of both watching it and I imagine for playing it to be really, really fantastic. That's Design Time with Mr. T with Dragon's Breath and Frankenpot. And in the spirit of research for this, I also <laughs> went out to the English countryside and found a cave that had some dragons <laughs> and practiced putting while they set me on fire. So we know what that feels like as well. We, we do all of our research on the show to make sure that, <laughs> that, we, that we look out for you, dear listener, in case you are considering playing these holes. We want you to know what it's like to be on fire. So just write us on social media and we'll let you know what it's like. All right, Tom. So 
now that we've gone through the recaps and all the other talking about the holes, what did I miss this episode? So this kind of goes along with a couple of things that I've seen in episodes that I forgot to bring up that's very different than the United States episodes. And that's that in the Australian episodes, there's really some very specific brand placement in a number of the holes. There's Macca's, which I guess is their shorthand for McDonald's. There's a streaming network called Fetch, which I'm imagining is sort of like Hulu. There's a insurance company called Amy. And then there's M&Ms. And if you looked really closely, they were the ones sponsoring the Distractor Duel. And it made for a really cute moment. Becky and Jaden were at that ice cream cart where they had their little Sundays, And I think that was the part that was sponsored by M&Ms, which honestly, I kind of did want to have a Sunday with some M&Ms on it. It's been a thing that I've kind of caught subtly throughout the season, but is really, really a little bit more obvious in Australia how much there's just very significant and obvious product placement. I half wonder if it's sort of like poking fun at itself because it's so overly obvious for product placement in this day and age. I'll have to say I did not look up what Fetch was and did not know it was a streaming service and really just thought they were big fans of Mean Girls, <laughs> which was also kind of strange because I just kept thinking, stop trying to make Fetch happen. And maybe they just don't know Mean Girls down there and the way they named their streaming service, because that seems like an anti-tagline if there ever was one. <laughs> so in the holes that I recapped, Pat, did I miss anything? I don't think it's unique to this episode, but I didn't really pick up on it this episode. But did you notice that both Shervo and Riggle wear both a lapel mic and the over-the-head headphones and microphone? I did not. As someone who's just tried to like mod out their office for a microphone setup, I feel like I should have caught that, but I totally missed it. I Riggle was doing something with his headphones and I looked and I was like, they also have lapel mics on. That's really weird. <laughs> I mean, the show is just a lot extra, I guess. All right. And staying on the theme of Mr. Riggle, we're now on to our Riggle Roast and Best Bits. And the part that just had me laughing for some reason uncontrollably was when uh, one of the holes Jaden was playing, they were talking about that there was going to be a new Top Gun movie coming out and Shervo deadpan asks if Goose was going to be playing it or was going to be in it and Riggle you know had to break it to him softly but then continued on the theme talking about that of course he would be in it and it'd be his ashes in Maverick's cockpit which wouldn't be a problem until they went inverted and that point just the way he said it and just thinking about some of the best lines of the original Top Gun had me rolling for a couple minutes. So I really liked a moment where Riggle was talking about Frankenput and, and he said, a lot of people just think this is just torture, but I've looked into it and legally speaking, as long as someone is playing mini golf, you can do anything you want to them. It's a legal loophole so big, we based an entire series on it. I don't know why, but I find that incredibly funny that all of Holy Moly and the reason that they did mini golf was mostly for like a legal loophole to just do dumb things to people. And in some episodes, it feels like they are. And the fact that they're sort of calling it out, you got to admire that. And now we're on to Would You Rather. And for this episode, I get to ask Pat a Would You Rather. And again, I'm going to focus on what would you rather do in a very serious and competitive tournament 
as far as holy moly related obstacles or in this case distractions go if you had to make a putt to win a tournament would you rather immediately before putting would you rather be hit in the face with a pie like they do on clowning around or would you rather be hit with fire in that big suit like they use on dragon's breath Ooh, I would go with being set on fire. Wow. I, well, I feel like as a bearded man <laughs> getting hit in the face with the pie and that pie is going to stick with you and it might sting your eyes. You know, that, that, that stuff's not nice to your face. Get up your nose, stay in your beard. That's going to be something that, you know, you're going to be standing over the ball and it's going to drip down all of that seems way worse than dealing with kind of the bulky spacesuit fire retardant thing i feel like yeah you'll feel the flames and stuff but you're a little bit insulated with that suit in there now i guess if you say don't have the suit on and get hit by fire that's probably not as (laughs) as good but all things considered i think i would take the fire versus the pie see now this I was surprised because this goes in contrast to the thing you were saying about, I think Paula Gay gave advice about using the same pair of shoes every time you play mini golf. And the thing that I notice in these outfits, and I forgot to mention in design time with Mr. T, is that they are putting you in a little bit better clothing that's a little bit less constrictive in the Australian Holy Moly than the U.S. episodes. But those are definitely not going to be your normal shoes And I just feel like it's going to throw off your putting game no matter what in that suit. Yeah, though we do have experience with not playing with our normal shoes because a little behind the hole here, slip and putt in the U.S., they gave you different shoes that were designed to make you fall on that hill. And so, you know, I survived that. So I think I could survive the big clunky fire retardant ones. And since we're getting behind the hole on that one, I did notice that I think they're using Chuck Taylor's for all Mm -hmm. of the episodes of Slip and Putt this year. And that last season, I saw some Chuck Taylors that had a Sir Goaf that were Holy Moly branded. And I don't know if they used them for every episode on Slip and Putt, but I think now my major reason for redemption is I want to wear those damn shoes while I putt the ball on some hole because I'm a big fan of low-top trainer shoes like that, and having a Holy Moly branded pair of shoes is very me. There's so so much more branded stuff now. Eureka Productions, ABC, somebody hit us up with some gear. Let's do it. Now we have news of the mini golf world. So for me, in case you weren't familiar, Putt-Putt's a form of mini golf, and it has several regional tours here across the United States. A lot of folks might be familiar with them to their due to their televised events that were on TV and ESPN as recently as the 90s, and many of which you can still find online. If you're interested in any of those regional tournaments or the national events, check out ProPutters.org. We're recording this in mid-February, and a lot of their tours start in early March, depending on where the weather is, where they're located. Although right now, the weather everywhere across the United States is basically freezing in snow, so we'll see if they get their tournaments off on time. But it's a nice little thing to check out if you're interested in joining the competitive mini golf world, depending on where you live in the States. Funny thing that you're talking about the weather, because the state that I'm going to talk about two new mini golf courses opening up at are both currently and oddly covered in snow and cold weather. So my 
news from the mini golf world is talking about two different mini golf courses that have opened in Texas. It's another Texas two-step. The first one is an inventive indoor course in Dallas called Another Round. I think it opened up right around the beginning of the pandemic and saw a few photos and every hole looks pretty wild. They get really creative with the design. I'm hoping next time we get to Dallas that we can check this out indoors. The other course is a World War II themed course down in Buda, Texas. That's just probably about a half hour out of Austin as well. We got a chance to preview some of the course with the owner and founder, Brian McKinney, who's a big history buff and has been trying to make this really challenging putting course themed around World War II. They are set to open sometime in March or April. I have a feeling they probably got set back by this cold weather. But if you're down in Texas, we have another two courses for you to play. Texas seems to be the home of a lot of new mini golf in 2020 and 2021. And as usual, on to our last segment, which is called Big Thoughts Mini Golf. When designing or opening a new mini golf course, consider the experience of everyone who might come to play and how they might interact with the course. Kids, elderly, those who may use a wheelchair or walker, the goal should be creating a fun atmosphere for as many people as possible. We can all use a little bit more fun in our lives, right? Staying on the temperature theme, temperature can make a difference in how a ball will play in a hole. How you play the ball when it's overcast and 60 degrees may end up being different when it's sunny and 90. It's just something to take into consideration if you want an edge in tournaments or when you're out there playing against friends. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt when ready.